accent. So, so some people thought I was uh, like doing some, <laughs> yeah, on purposely. And then when they talk to me and then I sound the same, and I'm like, oh. Welcome to Comedy with an Accent podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English stand-up comedy, but who are not native English speakers, or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages, and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested. Hi everyone, welcome to the Comedy with an Accent podcast. Today you are in for a treat. I have a special comedian from Japan who is the 2015 BBC New Comedy Award winner. She has been on Comedy Central, on Russell Howard's Stand Up Hour, and she was included in the timeout, the one to watch. And the list is too long, so I'm gonna cut it short here. I'm gonna welcome Yuriko Kotani. Yeah, I was tempted to call you the Yuriko Chan, but I'm not yeah. sure we are that familiar. Yet. Yeah, we are. Okay, maybe Chan. Yuriko Chan, Komen Chan. Are we Chan? Yeah. Probably need a bit of cultural explanation for the listeners. And I'm expecting a fair chunk of Western audience or no one at all. <laughs> we don't know. But, we don't know. Okay, okay. So for the Western audience, we're talking about the most formal way I could address you, and probably I should, would have been Kotani-san. Yes. Yes. So your family name. Yes. Yes. And actually your name for English audience is Yuriko Kotani. But in Japanese order is Kotani, Kotani Yuriko. Yuriko. That's right. Hi. Hi. It's me. Probably should give people a bit of context. I'm from Taiwan. Yuriko is from Japan. And today this session is very, very post-colonial because Taiwan was once a colony of Japan for 50 years. It's okay, I'm not trying to drive out your guilt, but uh, if you feel guilty, that's just bonus. And the reason to prove that Taiwan was once... So I know a lot about Japanese culture. Probably not enough, but still a lot than people living in London or in Europe in general because they once colonized us. And my, my grandmother, for example, didn't speak any Mandarin, but she spoke fluent Japanese. Wow. And to prove that we were once your colony, I'm gonna sing a song right now. You'll be familiar with the melody, but you'll be like, what the F is with the lyrics, right? Okay, uh -huh. are you ready? Yes. Okay, um, let me clear my throat, <coughs> which is a bit frowned upon in the post-COVID era, but oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes. <coughs> okay. Yuri <coughs> cool. Could you confirm that you know the song I was singing about? <laughs> Can you sing again? Yo, yo, yo. Yeah. Wow. Can you sing again? Can can you sing? Can, can we do a game, please? I will Sorry. try to do Take the Japanese yeah. version. And I forgot. <laughs> I think the song is talk. Tokyo Ondo. Ah, uh, so it's a dancing song, but in Tokyo, it's a regional, to, not regional, Tokyo uh, dancing song. <laughs> Do you know how to dance as well? No. You can't have 
one's not more Japanese than that. Um, even the singing <laughs> technique, we lost the twine. It was beautiful. And then yeah. So basically, the nails, yeah, <laughs> twine. Um, the Japanese singing style is called enga, I believe. Enga, oh. very old-fashioned. Yes. But I think there's a revival, new trendy way of singing enga. And, and what happened in Taiwan is whenever you sing a song in Taiwanese, typically you're expected to belt out like, and that singing style is from the Japanese anger style. The song I just <laughs> sang, it was adopted by a pharmaceutical company in Taiwan. It was basically <laughs> about a brand of paracetamols. <laughs> so the lyrics are, if your throat is hurting and it really hurts when you talk, Please swallow a tablet of paracetamol. Anyway, there was no yeah. much deep respect of your culture, but we just took it. Very, yes, very uh, like I'm healthy. doing with this. Yes, this. yes. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. So where I did know, you? Right? So you went to, to Kyoto. Yeah, but I was so sick of temples after Nara and oh, the Kyoto. So there many, were just so many, so temples. many, so, so <laughs> also many. so many Taiwanese and Chinese tourists as well. <laughs> I've heard Chinese everywhere in the street of Japan. <laughs> really? So lots of people. They're pharmacy. It goes straight to pharmacy, and you have all these weird products from Japan. Like you have tons me of products. Me too. Me too. Every time when I go back to Japan, I just go to like yeah, yeah. Matsumoto Kyoshi. I didn't dare to tell my family I was going to Japan. They would yeah. be like, "Oh my god, you need to buy that paste for hemorrhoid." It's. <laughs> I'm like, auntie, have you no shame? You're telling me you have constipation. Oh. Oh, you have all those. So you have face masks, right? Yeah. Here you get face masks from yeah. Boots. Yes. Or, or internet. In Japan, they are obsessed with a feet mask. Oh, how do you call that? It's not a mask, but you have something to moisturize your feet overnight. Oh yes. One time I bought uh, the feet and the leg like come together, and then apparently it's take off the I don't know swollenness. <laughs> <laughs> Lump. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> this ties back to the subject today. Neither of us English, yeah. English speaker. I just hope people yeah, out hope there so. can understand what we're yeah. talking yes, about. Yes. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you. We, so we yeah, appreciate. Japanese pharmacy is magical. Yuriko, you are evil. I'm not going to the topic I want to ask you about. We're already chatting. Today we're supposed oh, to talk okay, about. Okay, we're yes. supposed to be okay. But maybe that's about. a way to go. People will be sick of very serious topics. But let's exactly. let's give it let's, a try. This uh, podcast about comedians who are non-native English speakers mostly. Mm -hmm. But I'll be the fact that they are from a non-English speaking country that perform in English. Mm -hmm. So my first question. Yeah. I'm gonna be rude. Do you think you have an accent, Yuriko, when you perform in English? I do. <laughs> Me too. I do. I'm subconscious. <laughs> right. So you think you have an accent, and you believe the audience could perceive you have an accent, right? Mm -hmm. When we have an accent, mm -hmm. this lingers in mind for people who are native English speakers. And they'll be waiting to say, when are you going to point out the fact that you have an accent? And like, so they <laughs> impede our understanding. So we always have to find a way to either talk about it or mm. to acknowledge that we are also aware of it. And so mm. they can move on mentally. That's the... I just being honest and yeah, like I'm aware. <laughs> and, um, I tried and I tried to the practice for nicely Asians. Yeah, and I've been there, done that. But you know, 
Don't push it. That's only so far we can go. Because we live in London. Someone may come up to you and say, I really like your comedy set. For a foreigner to be able to speak like that, that was amazing. Yeah. And I say, but did you, did you know that you have a bit of accent? Like, I couldn't quite capture you. And there's little, little, little remarks. Do, they, oh. do, they, do you mind them? As in that they know it will be a bit cheeky, they know it might hurt your feeling, but they really want to say it. Uh -huh. So they will approach you initially to compliment you only, not say it. Okay. But when you get to a certain level, it's like, oh, this comedian looks quite friendly and offer mm -hmm. it. Maybe I can say the cheekier stuff. Uh -oh. And they start to comment on your accent right. or comment on the fact that you try hard. Yeah. Like for a non-native English speaker, you do try hard, things yeah. like that. And I was always yeah. talking about this sort of passive aggressiveness and when they are specific to how they perceive your accent was obstructing them from enjoying your comedy a bit mm -hmm. more. How do you find those type of comments? Right. Um, so, for example, about accent. So, so some people thought I was uh, like doing some. <laughs> yeah, on purposely. And then when they talk to me and I sound the same, and I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> hear our accent, uh, our accents, mm. let me be clear with the consonant at the end. Accents. So people who can see, uh, hear our accents also see our skin color. They can tell we are ethnic minorities, mm -hmm. like, uh, as for like, oh, yes. people, right? Yes. But when they expect a kind of the brand of minority comedy, mm. I think what they were used to were people who grew up in this country, a second generation or third generation immigrant, mm -hmm. and they can mimic their parents or their grandparents' accent, mm -hmm. and they contrast that with a fluent native English accent. Like Russell Peters, for example. Mm -hmm. So for them, comedians who do the type of minority foreign culture culture <laughs> comedy mm. would typically provide the exaggerated stereotype one but they'll always reverse back to the normal default because uh, fundamentally they still grow up here mm. so i think to a degree when people look at oh you're going to talk about a different culture a different language different accent sort of thing you're always going to take us back to the neutral one that we normally would expect mm. whereas with us uh, sorry we're just yes. never going to get there <laughs> yeah. this is what yeah. you're going to get yeah yeah just full on <laughs> full on yeah so they've seen people putting on a strong accent that's not natural when they see us mm. they then expect our accent is part of an act mm. i mean we may have an exaggerated personality on stage, mm. but as far as the accent is concerned, huh? I'm as, as natural as I can because yeah. if I try to do a worse accent and a normal way of speaking English and people say that exactly the same, that would be even more <laughs> humiliating. Yes, because how we look and when we open our mouth and when we have the full-on accent, <laughs> it's a very Deep, deep. With a couple of jokes at the start, to address your accent, mm. you get people on board, they start to like you, you take them on to your journey to talk about something else you're interested in saying in your comedy, and it's not always about Japan. Like, you start with it, but you also have really good observations, but you can't 
quite often just open with that. I think these days you can because people start to recognize your name, but to a whole new audience, you all, I don't know, I think you like to address that bit a, a little bit and mm. get them on board and then you start to do something else. I, yeah. I don't know what you feel about yeah, that. Yeah, I think, yes, um, I wanted to, yes, inform audience that I'm aware that how I look and also how I sound. Mm. And then, yes, it's like an instruction, introduction. Introduction. Yeah, instruction of me. <laughs> <laughs> introduction, isn't it? Bit. Instruction, uh, how you should deal with and uh, yeah. react to yeah, Eureka. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, you? Do you address it at the beginning? I do, or? but my main concern is the accent sounds exactly the same, but mm. my identity, I need to be specific. I come from Taiwan, mm -hmm. and that's something very important to me. Mm -hmm. But pure the language I speak is the same language with Chinese people, but I'm Taiwanese. That's what I typically have to address at the start. Mm -hmm. Whether I make it a joke or not depends on whether I have enough time for that specific set. Sometimes when I only have 10 minutes, then I would just move on and go straight into my joke. I like to do a bit of short stories. If I waste too much time on the, oh, I may be Taiwanese, I may look Chinese to you, what's the difference, the accent, ha ha ha, then I only have sometimes six minutes left and it's not enough time to tell jokes. Oh. Yeah, but I would try to milk more out of it when I have to do a 15 minute or 20 minutes, for mm -hmm. example. When you try to deal with the expectation that they know that you know you have an accent. But the Japanese accent has a special role in Western society. Is so that... listen to me Ooh. on this. You have, they, I think they broadly put immigrants into two categories. Mm -hmm. You're either a economic resource draining, potentially dangerous from the pro-country kind of immigrants, or you are someone who is from fellow first world countries, so you're not that dangerous. Uh, we know you a little bit better because we're probably and not look like you, that, that kind of expat. Japan is in a weird category. You don't really look like a threat to European people and you don't congregate them. There are not so many Japanese around, yet they don't actually know you that well. Interesting. But they always think they know you well when they actually don't. Because you have a lot of icon and simple from Japanese culture, but mm -hmm. it's always caught in piecemeal. I would say the Western understanding of Japan is very superficial, but they tend not to think so, which is very amusing to me. I want to ask you about your perception of that. Interesting. Because some, yeah, sometimes when I talk to you, and you know so many things about Japan, Japanese culture, Entertainment, there's so many things. But I'm sure if you perform comedy in Asia, you're gonna come across this a lot more often because not just the other comedians, I'm sure other Asians' um, audience will be able to resonate better to some of the things you say. Mm. Whereas here, you are tied to a couple of buzzwords like sushi, tamagotchi, and they don't even say eden sushi, right? They just say sushi on the train. So you are tied to some really small piece meals, mm. yet they think they know so much about you. I can make a joke out of, I'll give an example. I can make a joke out of oyakotong. Oh, yes. 
And so if I were to try to tell a joke about oyakodon in Taiwan, mm -hmm. I don't even have to explain what oyakodon is. So it's the word oyakodon is... We translate it. Right. So we don't pronounce it as oyakodon, but we mm -hmm. know exactly what uh -huh. I mean. And to explain to any people who are not familiar with this concept in Japanese, there is a dish called the parent and the child mm -hmm. bowl, right? Yep. Like a bowl, a don is like a bowl of yeah. rice with something like covering on top. Yep. So <laughs> you're eating rice with parent and the child. <laughs> what does that mean? That means that you're cooking chicken meat and egg at the same time. So yeah. you're eating the whole family. Yeah, but with such a yeah, cute with name, yeah. with such brutality. Yeah, yeah. I'm so the vegan, vegetarian, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I know, it sounds absolutely uh, scary. If I were to tell that joke in mm -hmm. Taiwan, I have to find something out. But if I do the joke here, the way that dish is named itself is a joke. That is a completely foreign concept that I don't have. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about. Their understanding of Japanese culture is quite shallow, but they see so much art symbols and not artifact, but things from Japan and they think they know everything. Mm. But if you really question that, like, do they actually know Pachinko? Not necessarily, pachinko. right? Pachinko. Yeah. But if you say to someone in Taiwan, most people will say, yeah, even though they probably never played it, but they know what it is. Wow, so pachinko is known in Taiwan. Yeah, we have wow. a translation for that. What is the translation? Oh, bochinka. But we just say pachinko. We just oh. say pachinko. We take the Japanese pronunciation. Wow, yes. So probably, yes, lots of people here don't know what the pachinko is. It's not necessarily a bookie, but you go in. It's and a bit like, like a William Hill, but with gaming machine. Yeah. and. Maybe like a Vegas, like fruit machine, maybe. Oh, yeah, yes, machine. yes. Like this, we have to explain, isn't it? Yeah. On stage, and then it's three minutes in, <laughs> still explaining. What was your perception before you have to deal with them? Because you sometimes interact with them. What do you assume they know about Japan when you have to do something or explain something? So sometimes uh, I know like, oh, definitely everyone knows, so I don't need to explain this, I just say the word and then, yes, but sometimes half and half or some, sometimes uh, depends on the room. So it's interesting, isn't it? If I write new routine and if I want to write about something, then I just go to the gigs and then see how, yeah. So you don't make broad classification that I'm doing a London gig tonight. Mm. They probably know a little bit more. You just go... At the beginning. Do you then... do some sort of question or way to tell them or just observe what they are or just how do you assess? Um, so sometimes when I want to do, a, definitely want to do a bit and then ask the audience and then just explain a yeah. little bit. Yeah, probably explain, but... Depends on the night as well. If there's no time to explain, uh, they just audience want the joke, 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 and then yes, and yeah. just probably I'll do the set. Like the weekend night yes. with, with some occasional stack and hand party. Well, this is no time for the intricacies, the subtlety that goes straight. No oyakodon story, no explanation. <laughs> Having said that, not everyone is that critical or demanding when it comes to the job being logical or factually accurate. 
so long as you can make your punchline make sense, I think you do your job. Even though it's、mm. not perfect, but that is a constant struggle I have. I think. Ah、uh, yes, I totally on the same page. I want to give the lot of like information. Yeah. Kind of kind of something. I want to tell people about something, but should I mention or should I talk about it or like just make it shorter and then. Do quicker, like. <sighs> Such a struggle, isn't it? It is. And I also feel if I introduce too many foreign concept in a longer set, that's exhausting for them. So I try to make sure I talk about something very specific to my part of culture, not for them, but then I revert to something they can easily understand、mm-hmm. or something a bit more. I wouldn't say ordinary, but just what they can easily pick up without much explanation. So there's a bit of. A taste at everything, but for me, it's basically a risk reduction strategy. I'm putting eggs in different baskets, <laughs> just in case if I die,、yeah. my all my ass in the first section, and I still come back and some savages somehow in the second section because something they can relate to. Drinking on the hey, weekend, hey! hey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also try not to be so accurate about the actual name of certain thing I want、mm. to talk about. But I will be self-critical on the analogy I'm trying to give them. You know, this、mm. thing I call the closest you can think of is this, this, this in your culture, and quite often that is a very important the first punchline. Because if like that, Joe, chances are they are more patient trying to listen more to you. Because I used to work in a nine-to-five job, I understand that people sometimes spend so much time at work, and when they come、mm. to comedy night, they just want to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun, have a great time, yeah. Yeah, and that's completely different. If you go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival, there's a bit of more like a arty flair、mm, to it.、Yeah. So you definitely see people with curious and thirsty yeah, eyes in the room. Yes, wanna learn and <laughs> yes, so true. It depends on the situation, isn't it? So we should have so many routines that depends on the situation. <laughs> That leads me nicely to the next question. I know where I fall back on. I do a lot of obscene, filthy stuff, but that's by nature because I'm a gay man, and that's to do with my LGBTQ plus side of comedy. Yuriko, you swear occasionally, but there's a frequency of you swearing. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that leads to my question. I hope you don't mind. Is, is it just a habit that creeps in, or is、uh-huh. it deliberate? Is a comedy choice because it contrasts with the nine girl they made that you have. <laughs> but I noticed that. <laughs> There will be、mm. one or two swearing here and there in、mm. your comedy set. You don't swear throughout,、mm-hmm. but you make the maximum comedy effect off of you swearing. You make sure there's a swearing here and there.、Yeah. So my question is: Is that a deliberate choice, or is it something you pick up in your English-speaking persona? So when I learned English,、um, it was a discover. <laughs> For me to it, learn the 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 disco- discovery to learn swear words,、oh. yeah, it was it was like uh, yeah, swear words, something like very interesting, isn't it? And it's absolutely liberating. It's,、uh. Yeah, <laughs> so as a kid, and you learn the language, and then you started to you start to learn. Swear words, and then I was like, "What is? Oh, well." And then you start to use the swear words, and look at you, old mischievers! <laughs> Your naughty look. <laughs> I didn't、uh, expect this answer, but this is so great. Yeah. Because 
It's quite a different personality when you switch between Japanese and English, isn't、mm. it? The Japanese people I know, because、yeah. English guys can speak with a quite a high voice,、yeah. and、uh, Japanese men typically expect to speak with a low voice.、Uh-huh. I went to Tokyo for a friend's wedding,、uh-huh. and he was talking to someone in Japanese. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. Must start and turns around. So can I have that? That's <laughs> <laughs> a different person. Especially if they learn the American accent、mm. and they will speak in such a high pitch voice. Oh yes.、Yeah.